The statements expressed in the following program are those of the speaker. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the sponsor, the hosts, and or Olas Media. Olas Media. You're listening to the Lawyer in Blue Jeans podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Lawyer in Blue Jeans podcast. I am your host. My name is Justin Isaac, and I am joined actually by the original Lawyer in Blue Jeans, Jeff Isaac, my dad. And uh, we are doing our second episode, and I felt like he was the best guest to bring in to really kick off the episode and get everything started. Thank you for joining us. Hey, glad to be here. This is uh, this is like old days. It's been a while since you've been <laughs> on the uh, on the microphone, haven't it? Isn't it? Oh, uh, it's the best. Yeah. Well, it's been a few years. Twenty five years I've been doing this. Now you, I get to come back and try it again. A little little bit of a gap, but you think you still got it? Uh, we'll see. Okay. Well, hopefully we will. We and shall see. Let's start off talking. Let's talk legal. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, I th- look, there's there's so much stuff going on. And, and as anybody who's followed me over the years on TV or radio knows, um, I don't do politics. It doesn't make sense or for a lot of reasons. Um, but there, there's a mixture of politics and court and laws that we need to kind of identify. A lot of people are really scrambled as to what's going on with grand juries and depositions and Fifth Amendment and all that stuff without getting political as to who's right, who's wrong, whether Donald Trump's a good guy or not so good. We're not going to do that. Okay. What I think we should do is talk about what the process is in a, in a way that hopefully people still be entertained, but we'll learn something and understand a little bit more because I think most people don't have a clue. I, I actually 100% agree with you. When we see the things about the grand jury and, and any kind of news dealing with the grand jury, there's zero explanation of the process or how it all works. And I think people would probably be pretty interested to see procedurally how it works or, or maybe what the kind of the standard would be. So let's let's talk about that. Well, so the grand juries, um, they what I think 23 people, I think, uh, generally. Uh, and all you need is um, a plurality uh, more than not to to indict. meaning what? Remember, we're, we're yeah, explaining. Yeah. This. So more than more than 50 50, uh, you know, it's kind of like preponderance of the evidence where. You have two different structures. In criminal law, you have, you know, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. And in civil law, you have preponderance of the evidence. One is like, you, you better, you got to go unanimous and all that kind of stuff. Where in civil law, it's it's basically one more than you need uh, mm-hmm. to, to break the tie. Uh, so the grand jury needs is, is similar. But what's really interesting is that when you go in front of a grand jury, there's a saying out there in law that you that they can indict a ham sandwich, which means that the prosecutor throws their case to the grand jury with generally no defense mm-hmm. by, by the defendant. In other words, they don't have the opportunity to call witnesses. I mean, sometimes they can give them the opportunity, but basically it's the prosecutor's show. And they're putting on the show with any and every information they want the grand jury to hear not what might be coming up at a real trial because the defense will get involved and, and object and show other evidence. The, the grand jury only hears the evidence from the prosecutor, and it's very stacked. So it's super easy. They, that's why you can indict a, a ham sandwich. A good prosecutor can almost get 100% indictments from a grand jury. But that's, no that's really what. interesting because I, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, why do we even have this process versus what a, a typical you know, a prosecutor usually just brings charges and then maybe they go to trial. Why even have this in the first place? I think it's a cover. I think basically the, you know, you see all the heat that the attorney general in New York is getting. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and the Attorney General in Washington, D.C., uh, Merrick Garland. And, and it gives them a little cover because, first of all, people don't know what we're going to tell you today. So they go, oh, a jury said they're guilty or, you know, they need to be indicted. Well, not so fast, guys, because the jury only hears what the prosecutor gives them. And I could probably get you indicted, Justin, in front of a grand jury because, you know, on something I could manufacture something probably, which is illegal and unethical and you can't do that. But but it's that easy. You can indict almost anybody. Uh, but what it is is cover because what they do is say, well, the grand jury told me to do this. Yeah. And then then they press charges and go forward. Um, you know, again, people don't realize that it's it's not a bad thing. I mean, the, the, the grand juries serve a purpose, but it's uh, it doesn't mean that this person is is criminally liable. Yeah. Or, or guilty or guilty. And, and well, I think, yeah. you know, taking uh, maybe an opposite stance on this uh, just for the sake of the argument. I think it's if it's done just for cover and if it's done just to make the prosecutor feel better or or have an excuse well, for the bringing public, charges. The public feels better, theoretically, because they don't have a clue that it's so easy to indict. Then I, I'd say that that's not a good system. Well, I, I would say that that is an inefficient use of our... Our funds in our our system, because if if you if you truly believe that someone is guilty of something and you have the evidence, then bring it to a regular trial where it actually means something. Whereas if I go in front of a grand jury, it's almost like I'm just virtue signaling and I'm just trying to make myself feel better, the public feel better. And that's it. What if well, it goes and loses right after? I well, it, what it happens. It happens. I, I know, but I wonder what the stats are of a grand jury yeah, I don't know. indicting and then someone becoming or being found not guilty. That'd be good. You should look it up because I have no idea. Uh, but the reality is, is that it, you don't have, uh, you don't say, well, let's just have a trial. Well, you, it, it, the trial comes second. And the reality is, it gives them the ability to lay the case out, see what the issues are, anticipate what the defense will will do in time of trial and again it's just a cover you're you're probably right it's it's uh kind of a waste of time because you don't need two trials yeah but at the same time you know in our political system in our law system uh i think people want cover because look what's going on i mean people are attacking attorney generals uh like crazy and and making it personal and that is, and that is a bad thing however i think that there, if you have someone who's willing to prosecute and bring the charges, I think just having it, it, this, this to me uh, really shouts that this is not an innocent until proven guilty situation. And the reason I'll explain to the reason I think that is that if you say that someone's being indicted in the court of public opinion and the media, immediately people are vilifying that individual as if they've done something wrong. Now, if they haven't, because all they're doing is being indicted and they're not a ham sandwich, that could be a very detrimental thing in the long term for that individual's reputation. But it doesn't matter because you can't sue for defamation. Correct. So Correct. so that if you're just having charges being brought against you by a prosecutor, well, they're protected because I'm not actually doing anything. I'm just asking if I should bring charges. I'm I'm deferring to someone else and deferring to 16 to 23 other individuals. But there's a chance that that person's not guilty in the first place. And well, so they're, they're they're presumed not guilty. Ex they're presumed innocent. Yeah, but when you bring this when you bring this uh, indictment and bring this indictment forward, or you try and indict somebody, or uh, I'm sorry, if you bring it to the grand jury, just being brought to the grand jury makes it seem like things are stacked against you because a you don't have a defense and and b you there this isn't a trial so 
that makes it seem right away where if people hear this in the news, automatically they're going to think he's guilty. Now, I'm not talking about Trump or, or anyone in particular. I'm talking about the system in general. If you were truly innocent until proven guilty, you wouldn't have a system where you can have only prosecutorial evidence and you, you wouldn't have a system where it makes it seem as if that person's guilty through the media right away. That's all I'm saying. Actually, not really. Okay. Uh, the... If, if there was no grand jury, then, and, and there are a lot of jurisdictions where they just, the prosecutor just goes ahead with the case and, and creates a trial, there's no difference. There's no difference. I mean, they, people still, oh, the DA came down with an indictment without a grand jury, and they can do that in some jurisdictions. What's the difference? They're still presumed innocent, but they are looked at by the public, oh, if the if the uh, the authorities feel that he's guilty, they must be guilty. People always in the past have said that. Now politically, now with with what we're seeing in our world today, it's it's you know war between the left and right and all of that, and that's political. We're not going to do that or get into that. But but it's it's not any different. In other words, it's a cover. They are putting all their their uh, witnesses in into the grand jury. They're hearing the testimony. Or if they don't have a grand jury, the DA says, I'm indicting. Oh, people will think he, the, the person, the defendant is guilty. Yeah, so the, the, the stigma still is there. I understand that. But it, w what we're doing is if you don't have a grand jury process, then that prosecu prosecutor has the risk of bringing it to trial or bringing the indictment. With the grand jury process, we're giving them a, a, a free pass. We're not, we're not we're not holding their feet to the fire because they're saying, oh, I'm just going off of what other people said. Actually not. The prosecutors do have the right to say, even if the grand jury comes back with an indictment, they don't have to go forward with the indictment. They can actually say, you know what? There's not enough, even though the grand jury says that. But doesn't so this can, just seem like an extra layer of, of oh, yeah, nonsense? Is. No, like, it is. No, look, our, join the legal system in our political, <laughs> you know, the... I mean, you know, if anybody after all this stuff feels the legal system has, has got no flaws, they're uh, they're in the wrong up the wrong tree. I mean, they of course there is, and we have the best system going. But uh, could it be better? Absolutely, in in so many ways, which we've talked about on my show in the past, and I'm sure we'll talk about here. As I well. just I I would love to know the stats between indictments uh, that were brought forward and actual you know exonerations. Uh, I would like to know well, how much money is sp being spent on these things no, uh, yeah. and, and whether it's a, if we consider efficient. The problem is, is that we just can't find that. There's no there's no disclosure of that information. Uh, I'm sure we can find it somewhere, but it'd be very difficult. To find. Well, it'd be something we should do and, and take a look at it. But you're right. It's you know, it's it's a kind of thing. It's a game. Law is a game, even though there's some consequences that are significant to defendants. But, but they're trying to play the game within the rules that they make up. The, the bottom line is that it gives the prosecutor a chance to test the evidence, to test it in front of a grand jury. They have witnesses. They call these people in. They test them. Not 100% because the defense doesn't get up there and get to cross-examine exactly. at all. So it's not the best test, but it's a test. And it does take a little heat off the prosecutor saying that if they want to go forward, I think you can make an argument it takes the politicalization out of it in a way, because mm. the prosecutor's not using their sole, uh, you know, their their ability to decide what they're doing is saying, see, the grand jury said it, ah, we'll do it. I, I think that it actually brings more politiz politicization to it because it actually has a double trial feeling to it. We're going through a grand jury and then eventually we might go to trial too. But I, I, I also yeah, think... Yeah, shouldn't be political. Though. But again, though, I, I feel like this is contrary to the notion of innocent until proven guilty because you don't have a chance for a defense. 
That is not how we, we should not have a system that is so stacked against defendants and so stacked against people who are criminally charged, because that's exactly what it is. Public well, defenders that's, are. That's public opinion, though. You're not talking law because there's no. But the, the, but we still control in, in law. We still control how this happens. Right. So we control if, if we say people are innocent until proven guilty, but yet we fund uh, the prosecution on public funds at a rate of like seven to one for public defendants or public defenders. I'm sorry. That doesn't feel like innocent until proven guilty. Right. And, and if we don't have if we're allowing prosecutors the ability to not be held to the fire because we're just giving them an out by saying, you know, a 23 person grand jury said to indict. So I'm just following their lead, even though they have the discretion to do or not do what they, they say. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying is that it, it seems a little contrary to me. Well, I could be wrong. Yeah. No, well, the, way the reality is, is it, I, I, I'm sure it's just a cover. And what the system has put in is kind of a check and balance it's not really but it, it appears to be because everything in law is is a perception you yeah know it's that. all appearances i mean uh, you know with supreme court people doing things that without disclosures and all that 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 is in the news constantly now um all this is basically a show and and basically to set up the public opinion right or wrong yeah right or wrong and and uh it's still a better system than russia has <laughs> i'll give you that but having said that, um, can we get better? I think so. I, I'm not sure how you would fix it or just take out the grand jury system 100%. I, I don't think, know if you do that. I think it's just important to look at efficiency. And, and yes, there, our system is, is probably the best. Uh, but that's still the point of our systems that we're able to critique it and maybe and hopefully make it better. So let's go on to the, the next topic uh, that I wanted to talk about. Um, I don't know if you knew what happened. Uh, in 2019, uh, do you know the uh, the artist afro man no okay didn't think he did yeah um in 2019 his house was raided and uh his real name is uh, joseph foreman and it was based on a warrant that uh was looking for stolen property and firearms and whatnot uh they found legal firearms but no stolen property foreman then filed a lawsuit against the individuals in the raid uh claiming excessive force uh violation of fourth amendment and they you know responded by saying that uh, and also racial profiling racial slurs during the raid um, and in response, the officers filed a counterclaim saying it was all legitimate and yada yada. What he did, though, he's an artist. He's a rapper. He created a music video based on his video on at his home with his surveillance cameras showing the cops going through his house. Okay. So he made a song in a music video using his own, I, I guess you could say his content because um, that's, that's his. It was at his house. The cops are now suing him uh, for that lawsuit. I think there was uh, defamation, um, emotional distress, reputational damage. Wait, uh, wait, who's suing who? The cops are suing him for making a music video using their likeness hmm. on his property. So it's really interesting. Uh, I think that um, I, I don't know the how this would exactly play out, but... That's a really interesting thing to think about because it's his house. It's his surveillance camera. He should be able to use whatever happens at his house. Now, they say that they were there legally, so he should be able to use that, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, I'm not sure how that the law would apply there. I think that if you either open your house to a search or they come in and raid it, a legal raid, then it almost becomes public, doesn't it? 
yeah. or the ability of the individual who owns the house to say, you came into my domain, I now will use it the way I like, as mm -hmm. long as it's not defaming somebody. So if it's the honest truth, there's no defamation there. Right? So that's that was my thought, too, is that when you... Okay, so the rule is, in public, you can record anybody, right? That's the rule. There's no invasion of privacy in public. I see all these videos all the time where people are like, you can't record me, you don't have my permission. You don't need permission. When you're in public, there is no right to privacy. Depending on what you record and how you slant it, though. I mean, Well, you no, you can't like do something where you're, like, looking up someone's skirt. But if, I, if I'm just encountering you in public and you're doing something and I start recording you, fully within my right. And you can make money on that. Well, that's the question, that's, though. Well, that's my yeah. That's so, my question. So I think that that's part of what they're arguing is that the, it's being used for commercial purposes right. or, or whatever. However, they have voluntarily, volitionally gone into his house and and raided the house. Now, if they didn't know that they were going to be recorded, maybe that's an argument. But they probably saw the cameras. They probably knew that there was some kind of surveillance in this big house that he had. So that's probably, I'd say, um, enough knowledge by them, known or should have known, that this could have been used. Now, for commercial purposes, that might be a different story because he's going to make money. I think money. that's the distinction. But, but if they're claiming um, defamation as a result of that, I no, can't. No. Uh, well, there, there's one, look, for everybody out there that doesn't understand defamation, that's basically to put somebody in a different light and it's not true, or either they're saying things that are not true. So truth is an absolute defense of yeah. defamation. So, so if, but, if but, the situation that you describe was all true, and he didn't slant it and didn't change it in a way that, that creates a falsity, I think you can make an argument that it's okay. So I, I think that the music video was just him singing about what happened, and then in, in the music video, it's just video of his surveillance camera. Right, so the surveillance camera, it can't be definite, defamation. But the music that he's singing, the song that he's singing, well, yeah, could, be, or, or could be, but, somebody, yeah. but if there's, um, uh, I guess if it's perceived to be like parody, which is uh, an excuse from defamation, uh, that or, or some kind of artistic expression, that could be not considered defamation if there's no, um, I guess... Uh, if it's not meant to be portrayed as a serious thing as well, too. So I, I've seen the well, video look, once. You've heard of Randy Rainbow, right? Now, Randy Rainbow is uh, some celebrity-ish kind of person. He comes up with these parodies on videotape, uh, most pronounced with Donald Trump. Uh, pretty funny stuff, depending on what side you're on, I guess, but it is pretty creative. But he, uh, as far as I'm, con as far as I know, he's not been accused of defamation. Now, it, it's one. But is thing he saying untruthful things? Well, that's the key. Uh, you know, uh, well, it depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. In today's world, uh, unfortunately, anybody that opens their mouth on left or right, the other side's going to say it's untruthful. That's just what's going on. Well, that's that's a whole other whole other issue. Uh, well, I, to end to to, to kind of answer your question. Um, if they do a lawful raid and it's being videotaped on their the individual's camera inside, it I think it will depend on what the music and lyrics are. I think that's the key. If if it's portrayed in a defamatory way, yes, there may be something. If it's pretty accurate as to what's going on and, and it's just more of a parody to it, I don't think it's going anywhere. 
Yeah, I, I think the main thing is is uh, he's profiting off of this commercial purposes, uh, promotional material. He made shirts with their faces from the surveillance camera, I believe. Mm. Uh, and again, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a privacy issue there, but there might be a commercialization issue there. Yeah. Uh, so that I, I don't know. But we do need to talk about more truthful things uh, and untruthful things, too. I want to talk about uh, defamation a little bit more if we could. But we're going to take a quick break. So we'll be back right after this. We've been doing the seminars for decades now, and uh, we can't seem to have enough chairs for everybody. It seems that people are realizing that what they have is not enough. By default, is involved in your life and your death, and your family will then have to go to probate. So what we try to do is show you the ways that you can actually avoid that and be in control of your family and get the government, bureaucracy, and lawyers out of your world, and that way you've got control, not the government. It's not just for rich people. A lot of people say, oh my, this is Bill Gates stuff. I'm not a millionaire or a billionaire. Why do I need a living trust? That's for rich people. No, it's not. To learn more about the living trust and estate seminars, visit lawyerandbluejeans.com. Welcome back to the Lawyer in Blue Jeans show. My name is Justin Isaac. Thank you for joining us. I am joined by Jeff Isaac, the original Lawyer in Blue Jeans. In our first segment, we talked about Afro Man and being sued by the police for creating a music video based on the surveillance camera from his uh, raid of his house when they were looking for some uh, illegal things, illegal property or um, stolen property, etc. Uh, we also talked about the grand jury process, uh, the fairness of it, uh, whether it actually makes sense, but um, kind of piggybacking off of the whole truthfulness uh, issue that we were kind of alluding to through uh, with Afroman, let's talk about defamation. Now, as mentioned in our first uh, segment and as mentioned a lot on this show, we do not do anything political. However, I think uh, it's important, as we did with grand juries, to kind of dispel and understand a little bit more what some of these things you hear in the news are all about. So if we're talking about defamation, we need to know exactly what defamation is. Now, Fox News is being sued for defamation. We're not taking a stance on that at all. But the goal really would be to talk about how this comes up, what actually defamation is, because that's an important thing as well. So why don't you give us a definition? Well, there's two elements for uh, de defamation. There's slander and libel. Slander is the spoken word generally, and libel is, is the uh, written. written word or video, uh, that kind of thing. And so... Uh, you've got, they're really similar as far as consequences. They're just broken up into two kind of, uh, kind of categories. Uh, basically, defam defamation is saying something that's untrue about something or somebody that obviously could hurt their reputation or hurt their public stance and things like that. So, uh, you know, when you're looking at defamation, the absolute defense is truth. So if, you're a, if you do something terrible, and somebody says you do something terrible, that's not defamation. It might it might hurt their you know their reputation, but they did something terrible. So so if if it's true, that's an absolute defense. If the problem becomes when it's not true or when it's reckless disregard for for the truth, and that's where the Dominion case comes into play, which may be resolved at this stage. Who knows? But the the bottom line is. Uh, you know, and and not again doing political, but just using some of those facts. The issue is, did people in Fox News, to give that example, 
know that what they were saying about the election was true or false. And if, in fact, it's proven that they knew that it was false, but they did it anyway, and it hurt Dominion's, uh, not reputation, uh, reputation as a company, but also cost them a ton of money because nobody will touch them anymore, then they might prevail. And, uh, you know, the suit is for $1.6 bill, billion in a, with a B. And, uh, of course, it may be when, the, when this podcast comes out, it may be resolved by, yeah. now, by then. But uh, the reality is it's an interesting case, and the issue becomes discovery. So you need discovery means you go out and find out what happened. You know, uh, you get people's depositions, you get interrogatories. Those are fancy written questions and answers. And that gives both sides the ability to know what actually happened, and then they can take that to court. And, and try to prove up their case. But again, the biggest thing about defamation is truth. Uh, if it's true, no matter how egregious it is, it's okay. So you're saying that if if uh, Dominion actually did... So the claim, I, I guess, by a lot of people was that uh, Dominion's voting systems were fraudulent and they skewed one way or yeah. well, uh, that they didn't work, right? Yeah, but that's not the issue. No, no, no. But that is the issue because if if that were true, what you're saying is that this, oh, well, that's, this suit will go away. That's truth number one. Yeah. <clears throat> there's two. There's elements of the truth. So truth number one, did Dominion really skew the election uh, by falsifying ballots and, and changing the election? That's A. Uh, it seems to me that the facts, even Attorney General Barr has said, no, they haven't. So they got, theory, in fact, I think the judge even ruled that that's, not an issue. That's not going to be an issue in the trial. The The issue will be, was it protected by the First Amendment? And, and Fox's, um, you know, was it newsworthy and, and protected by the First Amendment? Uh, and, and, and the reality is, is that can you can you slant the truth enough to make it a falsity? I mean, that's really the there. There's great gradations when regard with, you know, regarding the truth. Yeah. So there there is. Um it, with defamation, there's a lot of different uh, kind of nuances to it and, and different things that may apply, may not apply with regards to intent or public figure. There's there's so many elements. And I remember we spoke about this a lot in law school uh, where we spent weeks on defamation. Um, we actually have a really good example recently of a good defamation case, uh, which is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Amber Heard claimed that she was abused by Johnny Depp and he was found to be not guilty of that right now he was still he had to pay her for for something else but so essentially when we're when we're saying defamation it's the the reputational harm that will cause some kind of monetary damage in the future and while uh, the main thing about dominion is that you know like you said they probably won't have any ability to run any systems for voting for the near future uh, unless something happens here where people do trust them again but ultimately the damage is already done because you know, on Fox, they did say over and over about the systems and mentioned Dominion by name. Now, if they had just said the voting systems, well, that would that be, be a defamatory statement? No, it would be more abstract. So it, probably not, because one of the elements of def, uh, defamation is that it has to be known who you're talking about to the general person, right? Uh, that's generally But what, it's not, it doesn't have to do with monetary damages. That's the end result. No, that's so one you of can, the elements You can of be defamation. convicted of defamation and not have... Uh, you can't prove the money. De defamation is, oh yeah, but you could say that what happened was uh, met the elements of defamatory of, of defamation except for the monetary aspect of it. So right. then you wouldn't have, that would be not guilty of defamation. 
No, I, I'm that's, not so sure that's true. No, right. that's one of the elements okay. is, is you have to be able to prove that. All right. I'm, I'm not, that may or, may or may not be true. I, I think that basically you can defame somebody but not be damaged by it, and therefore it could be a dollar reward. Uh, you know, because th that becomes very abstract and very subjective as to what is your actual damages. How do you know? In in Dominion case, how do you know it's one point six billion? Uh, I mean, it's just a stab in the dark because you, you it's very subjective. You, it's very difficult in that case to be able to do that. So I I'm not so sure. I mean, we'll find out. But I I think that you could be guilty of defamation. But have a dollar award because you just there's no way you can prove any damages. Uh, yeah, whatever. but if you can prove that someone's caused reputational harm, yeah, but then you can you can infer damages from that. Now, what what the actual damages are might be different, but you would have to prove reputational harm to show damages. So I'm I'm just I, saying that's inner. Yeah, no, but I don't think you, Yeah, but I don't think you have to have damages. I think there's been defamation lawsuits. We can check it. That that have gone all the way and said yes, they have defamed and and it, it did cause it was it was a lie, it wasn't true, reckless disregard or knowledge that it was un, untrue, and yet they can't prove damages at all. So technically, you're guilty of defamation, but you don't get jacked. So if you can't prove damages, then you can't prove that it has hurt your reputation. Well, not necessarily because I think one doesn't have is is not connected to the other. I mean. Your reputation in your own mind is not necessarily worth It's not money. subjective. It's not subjective, though. It's about... No. Would the jury a, has to come up with it. Though. Would an average person think that that would be a reputational harm? Yeah, but how do you put a value on it? That's different. That Now we're talking about compensation. We're not talking about damages. Because if you have reputational harm, you could say that there's damages. You could say it, but the jury doesn't have to award it. So, but if they award a dollar, that's damages. Well, yeah, okay, it's a dollar. Yeah, so, so I, mean, I think I, we're arguing about the same it, thing. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Uh, it's very difficult, and, and unless it's a black and white case where, you know, they lost so much money, and and even that, when you go reputation, now you got to reach out and say, what does that really cost other than the the hard cost? One one point six billion is a lot. So I I don't well, know. Well, they don't want to settle at least uh, at this stage, and you know we'll find out when this podcast comes out. Honestly. If that does go down, and if they if Fox loses that, do do they go to business? No. no. You think they'll survive? Yeah, yeah. They, they got money coming to their ears. I one, mean, one point every time billion. there's a problem, that's a hit though. One point six billion. Yeah, no. Well, you would. You well, first of all, it here. wouldn't be for years, if at all, that they're going to get because uh, the, the appeals money. and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. they'll appeal and they'll they prolong it and they'll they'll uh, you know put their hand out to all their viewers to you know help some you know help Fox News or whoever. And people will give money and and advertisers. No, nah, I, I I mean it's it's not something to blink about. It's, yeah. it's a big deal, but we're talking about a huge conglomerate. I mean, yeah. they're number one rating. I mean, the, Fox has beat M MSNBC and CNN all over the place. Yeah, and so that may change. That could hurt their reputation. I don't uh, know if it will. Well, I, I, yeah, I think not, there's not been some discussion, but not taking a political stance in any way. I'm no, just not saying at all. I, I don't know if it will because the, the loyal, you know, viewers of either side uh, are going to watch kind of regardless. And if you well, don't, that, uh, some people don't trust the system too. So if they, if they, the find, core, the core will not yeah. probably go away. But then the the people in the middle, the independents and so forth, might start to go jump ship. They, you know, there's, I mean, there's that's Newsmax out there. There's News Nation. Okay, so that all makes sense. I, I think that the the last thing I want to finish on, too, because I, I think this is a good, uh, almost a philosophical question when it comes to law, uh, mandatory minimums. Now, mandatory minimum sentencing is something that's kind of a hot topic, I guess, with legal scholars and 
um, and people who who talk about you know criminal justice reform and whatnot. Do you want to give a brief overview of what we're talking about? Or well, it's it's like strict liability, isn't it? There's basically um, where a judge has no ability to to put his thoughts on no these. discretion. Yeah, that would be a better word. Yeah. So no discretion to to change what the law says. And the argument on both sides could be, A, uh, a lot of people say judges have too much power and the liberal or conservative judge is going to abuse the power and therefore make a mockery out of the, the sentence or whatever. And then the other side of the coin is law is not black and white. By golly, it's not. And therefore, a judge, being a judge, should have the ability to look at all the circumstances. For instance, it's got nothing to do with the well. It's a cousin to mandatory minimum. But if a seven-year-old kid goes to second grade, I think that's about right. Seven-year-old, and they bring a plastic knife and a cake to the teacher for the teacher's birthday, uh, and a fork, a plastic fork, and uh, and and then the the school rules is that you cannot bring a knife or you will be suspended. You will be taken out of school. And we've seen it happen so many times where that's the case. Happy birthday, Mrs. Smith, and we did a good thing for you. Oh, you are now suspended because of what you did. That's terrible. Terrible. I, I completely agree. And now I, I, I can I, I think I can really argue this both sides because I, I do see that judges are humans, obviously. Uh, and judges can make mistakes. There was a uh, a 2018 uh, journal uh, published in uh, psycho uh, Psychological Science 2018. Uh, it analyzed a thousand sentences and found that sentences were on average 5% shorter after a break than before a break. Meaning the judge, if they just went on break for lunch or something like that, they found that those sentences were on average 5% shorter than they would be in a similar situation before the break. Yeah, but 5% is not much. Uh, really? I, I don't think so. I mean, I mean I'm not sure that's skewed right uh, as far as being substantially important. You don't think so? I don't know. I, I, I mean, think it, it, well, look, the, everything in law is about humans. We don't have robots in court yet. But we should strive to also have similar sentencing amongst similar situations. We should strive to do a lot of things. But when I tried a case back when, uh, it was a, uh, a, a car accident case where somebody literally ran into the guy in front of him. All right. Slam dunk. Right. Uh, I went in front of a jury and, and gave it to the jury, which means we were finished with the case on a Friday afternoon. The jurors wanted so bad to get out of there, they found no fault, and, and my client didn't get a dime, and, and they were rear-ended. He was rear-ended. How do you, unless you back up into somebody, a rear-end means that guy is liable, and then you look at damages and see what, you know, if any you get. But in that case, and that happens a lot, you never give, the rule of thumb is you try never to give that jury uh, a case on a Friday because they are going to be persuaded, I want to go home, I want to get rid of this thing quick. I get that, but that's a jury. When we're talking about sentencing and, oh. and mandatory minimums, I usually am talking about like a judge who's but supposed to be we're talking human beings. Of course. But I, I kind of looked this up and I, I wanted to know what people thought about this because I'm not in favor personally of mandatory minimums. I think that... We're taking a lot of the uh, the deference that we give to judges away from them, and it removes uh, the kind of the reason that we have them in the first place. And so, 
Uh, supporters of mandatory minimums argue that it helps deter crime by ensuring that offenders receive a certain level of punishment for their actions, and it helps reduce disparities in sentencing uh, by ensuring that similar crimes receive similar sentence. Okay, I don't... I, and then also critics uh, argue that mandatory minimums can be overly harsh and inflexible. I would agree with that. I think that, what, what, again, one of the purposes of having a judge up there is to make sure that we have an understanding about the situation. Context matters in law. And context should matter in sentencing, too. If we have a sent, if we have a guideline that says you've committed crime A, so you have a minimum of 10 years. Well, that's not always the case. There's got to be some kind of context to it that we should allow in. Well, again, they're trying to set standards. And what they've done is is put that on the books so there it takes the arbitrariness away from the judge. The problem is, is twofold. One, <clears throat> three strikes and you're out. Okay, so you have two two strikes, you have two felonies, whatever, and then the third one is you you steal a Snickers bar. Now you go life in prison for stealing a Snickers bar. Come on now, all right? And people say, well, that's he should have known, but that Snickers bar put him into life in prison. Now another one example of what I've done in my my past as a lawyer is I I uh, represented a guy from Texas who had a marijuana conviction, and it was a big one, and and Texas you know, blows people away on, on these kinds of things. So he was facing life imprisonment if he had any other conviction. And my guy went to Sears and stole some underwear. I'm not kidding. Shoplifted underwear. Came into my office, said, you got to get me off because if I am convicted of stealing this underwear, I am going to be sentenced to life imprisonment. Seriously. Yeah. He came in subsequently, a little not fun now, but and not fun then, but interesting, he came in and started taking pictures of the whole staff, including me, and I was thinking, oh, my God, this guy is, like, connected to the mob because the, the intimidation, I mean, yeah. you talk about intimidation with, you know, attorney generals and all that. I mean, I felt so pressured yeah. uh, to to get him off because I was afraid I was going to go, <laughs> yeah. I was going to lose my life. Um, it happened where I got him off, uh, thank God, but it was pretty Pretty scary stuff. Yeah, I, and that's not fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. He should have known, you know, but come on now. We got we to gotta use our brains once in a while and, and, and just look at, I mean, anybody that knows what I've done over the last 25 years in, on radio and TV is that common sense needs to be part of our world. And unfortunately, people have lost common sense. Yeah. Well, so uh, you would argue then that mandatory minimums are, are not really common sense. Correct. I Done. actually yeah, that's exact. I, I have been on this bandwagon forever, and I think it's time that, yes, I understand that our judges are becoming more and more political. That's wrong, but it's just the way our society is working. Everything seems to be that way now. But don't take away from our judicial system and take the teeth out of it or the mercy yeah. of, of what, you know, who that person is, what really happened. Uh, it doesn't make sense. So. I, I think it's important to uh, document this time and day uh, because we agree. Um, <laughs> hey, it, since you were born a first. Yeah, this is, uh, this is <clears throat> definitely a first. I mean, obviously we agree on a lot of things. But that I, I think the, the thing that stood out to me the most is when they said um, on this uh, article I found, they want to ensure uniformity in sentencing across cases and jurisdictions. Consistency. That's what they're looking to do. I, I don't think that's a good thing, though. I no, think that's I think a really they can make thing. an argument that it uh, is. Yeah, of course. Because, because it's consistent. If you do this, you get that, no matter how nice of a person you are. But the reality is, it's just like, all right, using a different example to see if it works. If you're driving on the street and somebody cuts you off, 
and you're so ticked off at that person, right? He cuts you off, and he, he's racing like crazy. You go, son of a gun, you know, and maybe using different language. Uh, and then you find out later that that person was racing to the hospital because his wife was having a baby. Are you going to think a little bit more about the intent? Yeah. And and the reality intent should that person exactly hundred percent. Now that it's harder to prove. Do you want to hear a more recent thing? I actually sent this to you last night. A uh, guy in Minnesota. He's a felon, right? His uh, he found a gun in his car that was that belonged to his brother who had just recently died. He just found it. So what did he do? He went home. He wrapped it up. He put it off to the side. He called his probation officer uh, or parole officer and uh, said, I have this here. I found this. I need you to come take it because I'm not legally allowed to own a gun, right? Or possess a gun. So what did they do? Came, took it, had him arrested because he had it in his possession. That makes zero sense. Now, they decided not to charge him. Well, good for them. That, which is a rarity because usually yeah. this is where you hear someone say getting they're getting 15 years for something common like this. sense. So it's all about that, common but sense. This is, I, I think it's an important thing to highlight that I was very surprised at the outcome because I thought he was for sure going to go away for years for that, even though it makes no sense. And I thought the article that I read made a very good point, which was the the message that you send by putting him in jail for something like that is the worst message you can send, which is. Felons, if you have, if you find a gun, have a gun, come across a gun, hide it Leave and it don't alone. be honest. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and no, he was honest. And that that's a very important thing, you know, and, and I hope they actually look favorably upon him for doing the right thing. Well, again, the the way our system works and the way people are now getting in line on one way or the other is that a lot of people want consistency in the law. That's their argument on on having mandatory minimums having things in concrete and black and white, but realize our life, our law is not black and no. white. It's not at all. And and yes, things and, and stats and facts get skewed, but, you know, let all the information in and let a judge who hopefully is going to be fair, and that's the big key because a lot of people think they're not, that's all we got, folks. That's all we got. And And, you know, we can't have a rule of, one dictator being in charge of everything. We got to have judges and judicial systems, and down the road we got to go back to trusting them. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. That's all I could say. <laughs> I can't it's, get you to disagree. Uh, no, I, I, I know it's it's. Well, very... I'm big on this one. That's one of my my pet peeves, and I've I've talked a lot about that over the years. And I, I just think that you know we need to mature as a society, especially a legal society, we, we're very immature people. The funny thing is, is that you and I have never talked about this topic in particular. We've never discussed this, but we actually yeah. do well, agree. Uh, you know what? Common sense, but I, I agree. Right. I mean, it really comes down to that. And, and anything we do today, there is, and, and try to define common sense. It's pretty hard. I'm not going to. Yeah, I, I know, because it's impossible. But the reality is we all know what it means. Yeah. And, and I think t sometimes you just got to deal with it yeah well any final thoughts before we go well i think that you know what people need to do is look at our judicial system and i know that it sounds complicated it's like the medical system everybody gets wrapped up with lawyers and doctors and and you know all this stuff and make it more complicated than it needs to be it doesn't have to be and i think people if they just learn a little bit on their own or learn through the show uh, what's going on, um, it's going to make life a lot easier and not jump to conclusions. People jump to conclusions right away without knowing the facts. I agree. Learn first, and then you can jump to a conclusion. 
I, I completely agree. Every time I hear something in the news with regards to like a wacky case, a legal case, some some kind of lawsuit, I actually go look up the lawsuit and ignore the headline because the headlines yeah. are usually there to it's get you to, yeah. to read it, right? Yep. And read the article, not necessarily the case. Oh, and yeah, then, and it's usually depressing because it's not even close to what the headline exactly, is. Exactly, exactly. The old bait and switch. So. Oh, always. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We appreciate it. Go to lawyerandbluejeans.com for more information or to contact us, or you can send me an email, justin at lawyerandbluejeans.com. Uh, if you want us to talk about something uh, that you have on your mind or some kind of legal issue, we're happy to discuss it here on the air. Thanks again, and everyone have a great day. This episode was produced by Olas Media Podcast Network in San Diego, California, with Elia Ramos as Creative Director, Jessica Garcia as Project Manager, JC Polk as Executive Producer, Lina Alvarez as Associate Producer, and Chad Pease as president and co-founder. Olas Media.